Hello, folks. This is Larry Schaefer with Living Scripture Daily. Thanks for joining me in my journey through God's Word. Today, the topic is increasing in wisdom. We are continuing through the book of Luke, and we are going to look at uh, two verses in Luke chapter 2, verse 40 and verse 52, both about Jesus. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And then uh, 2.52, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And then I'm going to read two verses from the Old Testament that correlate to these uh, statements about Jesus. First in 1 Samuel 2, verses 26, now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. And then in Proverbs 3, 3 and 4, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. So related to the passages about Jesus, I've got, I've got two questions that, that come to the forefront of my mind. You know, I understand, first of all, I understand about Jesus's growth and stature. I mean, he took on a human body from birth, so his body developed as he aged. Okay, I got that. That's, that's easy. That's the human side of the Son of God. But how is it that Jesus grew in wisdom? I mean, God doesn't learn. God doesn't mature. God doesn't increase or gain more wisdom. I mean, he's God. So that's the first question. Second question, how is it that one gains favor with both God and man? You know, in the book of John, Jesus warns us that the world will hate the disciples and hate anyone who follows Jesus. So it seems to be a little bit of a slippery slope gaining favor with both God and man. A quick sidebar, you know, my journey through the Bible has really kind of a simple structure to it, and this format gives us a good insight into that. So first of all, I read progressively through Bible books, and I do that because there's momentum to each book. Each chapter builds on the next, and it really is a cohesive book. So rather than isolating chapters or isolating verses to study, I just think it, it for me, it's just a much greater discovery to go through Bible books. Number two, I, I read the passage and I reflect and I ask straightforward questions. Questions are really the key, I think, to discovering the truth of God's Word. And then thirdly, I find other verses in the Bible that relate to that passage being studied, such as in this case, I brought up 1 Samuel chapter 2 and then also the passage in Proverbs 3 that we'll look at a little bit further. So this is just simply using cross-reference tools to find other verses that support or help us interpret the verse that we're working on. And then number four, I start writing and I attempt to answer the questions after reading the cross-references and, you know, and really that's, that's about it. That's what I do. It sounds pretty simple, but the discoveries can really be exhilarating. They can be fantastic. So often, like in this case, I ask questions that I'm not totally sure what the right answer is. And so this process helps me discover it. Okay, so back to the passage. How is it that God the Son, Jesus, increased in wisdom? Well, let's start with what we know to be true. Jesus was fully God, so he possessed 
all the attributes of God, right? He didn't relinquish any of his deity. We also know that, you know, most of the time he chose not to use and express his attributes while he was living within his human body. Yes, sometimes he performed miracles, he calmed the storm and other aspects where he did use those attributes, but for most of the time he simply didn't express them. So in Philippians 2, uh, 5 through 8, we read about how Jesus humbled himself and he didn't cling or he didn't grasp to his right to use or exercise or show forth all of his attributes as God. He didn't give them up, but he chose not to fully exercise them. If that's not totally making sense to you, let me, let me give you an illustration. Here's a simple illustration. A wealthy man follows his calling to be a missionary in a poor village, let's, let's say in Africa. He chooses to live among them in this village, and he chooses to live there in humility. He is a wealthy man, but his wealth remains in his investments account. I mean, technically, he can access them, and he can use his money whenever he wants. He knows that he can use this wealth and, uh, to build uh, an elaborate house for himself in this poor village if he wanted to. However, he knows that will alienate himself from the very people he wants to share the gospel with. Also, he could see the needs around him in this poor village and he could flood the village with his money. Uh, that would cause, really, we all know, more harm than good. So at times, he may use a small portion of his money to help the people in the village, but he does it sparingly. You know, this is the way that I believe Jesus used his power to do miracles in a sparing way when they were needed. So back to the rich man. He becomes part of the village, and he adds value to the community by working so that he can make some money to live in the village as, and be one of them. He never gave up his wealth, but he chose not to cling to it or to use it in this situation. He chooses not to use his wealth out of his humility and out of his heart to serve others. I'm sure you can see how this simple illustration really helps us understand a complex theological issue. Theologians call it the kenosis. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit uh, of a theology geek here, but that's a Greek word that means to empty. And so once again, that's from that Philippians 2 passage where it says that he emptied himself. It doesn't mean he emptied himself of his attributes as God. It simply means he relinquished using them while he was on earth. So although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. So when Luke tells us twice that Jesus increased in wisdom, I can see now what I think he's teaching us, and that is that Jesus progressively, as he grew in stature, revealed his wisdom more and more as he grew older and as time progressed. So it was more an uh, aspect of revealing it as he became older. As God, he has always possessed, he always possessed all knowledge and wisdom, but he went through the same educational and maturity process that his brothers and sisters went through as Jewish children. So we are to be followers with Jesus, and so the question is, is are we increasing in wisdom? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. We must first learn the truth. That's what we're doing here together as we study God's word. And then we must apply ourselves to the word of God, the truth. That's wisdom, applied knowledge. And we learn the truth, which is knowledge, 
As we learn it, we grow in wisdom by applying the truth to our daily lives. And hey, what do you know? That is what it means to live Scripture daily. So let us apply our minds to learn the truth and then apply ourselves, heart, soul, and body, to living it out. Let's be like Jesus. Let's increase in wisdom and then live Scripture daily. So next time, we'll consider the principle of gaining favor with both God and man. So Father God, we praise you for your wisdom and your kindness to send your Son to earth. Jesus, thank you for leaving the comforts of heaven to dwell among us. You came not to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for each of us. May we follow you with a heart to increase in wisdom, to live and serve for your honor and for your glory. Amen.